Great to have you here. Uh, if you want to contact me, you can, Alex, at 640toronto.com or on Twitter, at Alex Pearson Amp. Let's talk about drugs, shall we? Because we have not yet rolled out pot. And uh, despite the fact that 90%, at least 90% of police agencies across this country are saying, we're not ready. Now we have groups pushing to go even further. Hey, hell, never mind pot. Let's decriminalize all drugs in Canada. And we're not talking, you know, some random activist group. This recommendation is being put forward by the Medical Officer of Health, which wants the feds to allow all drugs to be decriminalized. So they're pushing for a task force to look into this to see if it makes more sense than the tough-on-crime approach. When we criminalize drug use, we actually increase stigma associated with the drug use. And, and what happens then, uh, those who use drugs are more likely to engage in unsafe drug use practices, and less likely to seek out help. That is Dr. Eileen DeVilla of uh, Toronto's Medical Office of Health. Now, they don't have any power over this jurisdiction, but you can bet there will be many on the left who grab onto this and push, um, arguing that this is a better strategy to, tra- strategy to actually treat and deal with addiction. And on Friday, you might recall that we had a story involving a family living, you know, in a neighborhood along Queen Street West, where in the morning they had a guy smoking crack, like feet away from where their children were playing in broad daylight. And then later that same day, outside the back of their house, there was a bunch of people shooting up heroin inside one of the people's foot. So are you okay with this? I'm not. I'm not. I just don't, uh, I don't see why we would not invest in actual cures and treatment. However, the flip side is that there are countries that have gone this route and it has not resulted in a complete disaster. So let's bring in someone who deals with addiction issues every single day. Peggy O'Neill joins us. She is a, an addiction expert and social worker. She joins me now. Peggy, what's your take when you hear, um, you know, of a group as big as Toronto Health urging the feds to decriminalize things like uh, heroin or, or very hard street drugs? Is this a good idea in your mind? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to realize that when they're suggesting decriminalizing, they're, they're only suggesting decriminalizing for simple possession. So not for any matters of trafficking, not for any of the people who are are dealing out there. There's a little bit of a misconception, I believe, in terms of the hierarchy of drugs, like what we term, you know, hard drugs and soft drugs, when, for instance, alcohol is something that causes more health and society problems than any of the other drugs put together. So for myself, as somebody who's specializing in helping people with substance use and addiction problems, I think they already have a whole bunch of shame, uh, enough for all of us for a lifetime, that when we add a criminality component to it, it, it just furthers that. So I would rather see the funds rather than car- incarcerating people, you know, go to help, go for treatment. Well, that would be a novel approach, you know, but and I'll touch upon that in, in just a minute or two. But, you know, we've already got these insight, um, these safe injection sites that are, you know, I think we we're up to nine in Toronto, but we're already starting to see 
problems in neighborhoods where you've got people moving in, where drugs are being sold now, crime is starting to go up, and you've got this real, for lack of a better word, eyesore, um, where you've got people shooting up out into the open, and residential neighborhoods are deeply concerned about you know what this is doing to the city. And so when you hear about um, decriminalizing hard drugs, I think people get very, very nervous. Mm-hmm. I certainly understand. I mean, I have children myself. I certainly understand, you know, nobody wants to bring their kids to a, a park and, and see a needle, I, I think, or anything like that. Um, you know, we have to remember that when we, we put something like a safe injection site in and, and people, you know, injecting drugs are a very small percentage of people that are using drugs, you know, as everybody knows, our, our biggest crisis right now is um, with opiates, which most of them are, are consumed via, you know, prescription right. pill. We can use them, obviously, via needle. But um, so nobody wants to go to the, the park and, and see that. However, when we're putting these safe injection sites in, they're going in neighborhoods where the problems are, where the people are struggling. And a, a lot of people don't want to face up to that because they, they have a perception that there's none of that going on. It's, it's all a bit closeted at the moment in terms of um, the drug use. Right. But people pick and choose where these sites are going and they go where there's a need. Right. But instead of actually, I think, investing, as you just touched upon, with treatment, there doesn't seem to be a long term plan. Because what I see is we're moving further into the direction of Vancouver, uh, which has been doing this now for a couple of decades where they've had uh, safe injection sites and kind of turned a blind eye to drug use in the streets. But that hasn't gone away, and they haven't seen actual improvements. And so I would actually, and I think a lot of people would be more comfortable making sure that people get treated and uh, made healthy instead of, you know, Band-Aid fixes to a problem that inevitably will kill them. Sure. I I would vehemently agree with that. We have a long way to go in terms of, of treatment. I mean, everybody talks about Portugal in terms of they have gone through this process. I think it was about 17 years ago, 2001, where they decriminalized. And they've had some pretty good success. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I was in a decision-making capacity at a you know, provincial or even federal level who mostly is making the call on these things, you know, I would be spending some dollars and resources to see what they've done because the hard data from there is that their overdose deaths have decreased we can see that, that that's a, a real number that can be counted as opposed to some of the self-report numbers that are out there. So they're doing something right. Okay, but could that work in a country like Canada? Uh, well, given, given you know, the black market, and I can't speak to what happens in Portugal. I know that they have their own black market, their own drug problems. But could that happen in, in a place like Canada? Um, I don't see why it couldn't happen in a place like Canada. I I don't, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on how they've implemented in Portugal, but I don't think we're, we're anything different here than, than are there. Um, you know, there's harm in drugs. Absolutely, there's harm in drugs. Nobody's saying that there isn't harm in drugs, mm-hmm. but to kind of keep it in the closet and incarcerate people with very little treatment, I'm not sure how that harm gets addressed. Mm-hmm. 
there's very little treatment in our, our jails. There's, right. there's really none in provincial systems. There's some in federal, right. but you know, I'm not sure if we, we put people in jail, what we think is going to happen when they come out, like how that's going to address, how that's going to help our communities when the people come out. Before looking at something at, like de- decriminalization, why aren't we seeing the federal governments and the provincial governments instead taking a route of actually going after where the opiates are coming from, which is doctor's offices? Why don't they get tougher in how many prescriptions are written? Because for whatever reason, uh, we seem to think that as long as a doctor's prescribing it, it's, it's, you know, it's acceptable. But this is turning out to be, you know, a very deadly thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's certainly, they've made some changes, you know, or are they far enough? You know, probably not in terms of the recording where the opiates are coming from. You don't have to sign, you have to provide your, you know, identification. Um, it's a long way to go. Um, certainly dentists have been given a mandate to no longer prescribe things like uh, Percocets or, you know, for wisdom teeth or mm-hmm. what's sort of considered, you know, so not starting with the big guns in terms of pain, Right. treatment, you know, starting with, with the little guys, which may be um, more than enough to, to help somebody with their pain management. And, you know, we, we can look to a lot of places on how we help this with other means. You know, mindfulness is a big thing that's that's out there right now. They're doing a lot of experiments in hospitals in terms of, you know, changing the music, for instance, the clothing people wear, things like that. So um, our need for some of those drugs go down. Um, in terms of going after doctors, I, I think it's a start and it has a long way to go in terms of changing their prescribing patterns. Before I let you go, you know, opiates are not new. Um, they've been around forever. Why are we now seeing such a crisis versus, let's say, five years ago, 10 years ago? I think it's a bit of the, the latency. It took a while for the, you know, quite frankly, the abuse of those. I think, you know, Big Pharma has something to play in there in terms of the the doctors and the, the prescription rates. I think the mindset is still there. Um, generationally, perhaps it's shifted a little bit, but, you know, doctor knows best. And a lot of people I know with my own clients, seeing them in counseling capacity, many people are taking drugs. They're not even quite sure what they're doing or why they're taking them, but they're taking them because their doctor said this was the thing to do. Um, and we have to remember that our family docs are, are trying, but they don't have the time to do the counseling piece. Right. So, um, they, you know, they, they might not have enough time to have the whole story or kind of really see what's going on. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see where this goes, but it's not the first time we've had the conversation, and I'm certain it's not going to be the last. Peggy, the last, yeah. sure. thank you so much. Okay, take care. Thanks for having me on. That is Peggy O'Neill joining us in studio. And we will continue this conversation because if we've seen the way, you know, things like the safe injection sites are running, I'm sorry, we are not ready for this. But that's just my opinion. I'm Alex Pearson and this is Global News Radio.